Hey, seasoned athletes, I'm Robin Leggett, and this is episode 53 of the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. Seasoned Athlete is your home for inspiring stories and motivational advice from competitive athletes representing a wide variety of sports who all share one common bond. They are all over 40 years old. We are here to prove one story at a time that age does not have to prevent you from achieving your bold athletic and fitness goals. To learn more about this podcast and see show notes from this or any episode, visit seasonedathlete.me. And if you like what you hear, I would love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Today's guest is CrossFit and Spartan athlete Kim Cole. This weekend, Spartans from all over the country will descend upon Big Bear, California for the third in their U.S. National Championship Series. Elite and age group athletes alike are all seeking out a spot in the Spartan World Championships in Lake Tahoe later this year. When it comes to athletes over age 40, one name you need to know is Kim Cole. Kim has been dominating races since she started and has stood on a podium in every age group race she has run. I met Kim in a starting corral for a race last year since she is in my age group, and I knew I wanted to talk to her for the show and share her story in advance of this Big Bear race coming up this weekend, where I will likely run into her again. So let's get to it. Here is Kim Cole. Hi, Kim. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Are you ready to drop some seasoned athlete knowledge on our listeners today? I am. That's great to hear. You are Kim Cole, a wife, mother of two, veterinary tech, and competitive Spartan racer out of Boise, Idaho. In 2018, Spartan introduced a competitive age group category, and you made a huge mark over the course of the year, landing on the 40 to 49 women's age group podium for every single race that you ran. You earned 13 first place finishes, three second place finishes, and one third place finish. You finished the season winning the Spartan U.S. Championship Race Series in the 40 to 49 women's age group, and you placed second at the Spartan World Championships. All of these impressive stats sealed your status as the Spartan 2018 Age Group World Series champion. In addition to obstacle racing, you have also been a CrossFit athlete for the last 10 years. And in 2018, you placed second in the world in the 40 to 49 Age Group at the CrossFit Open. Is there anything vital personally, professionally, or from your athletic life that you'd like to take a quick moment to fill in? Uh, No, that's okay. Okay, great. That's nice and succinct. Let's get going. From here, I'm going to ask the big question that I ask all my guests, and that is, what is your age at this moment in time? I am 47. I love it. So let's go back in time a bit and start from the beginning. When did you start playing sports, and what did your early athletic life look like? Uh, Well, I first started doing sports at the age of eight. Um, I had two older sisters that I always tried to keep up with, so... um, I became competitive at a young age, um, running track and cross country. And then I um, continued that through uh, high school and college. Um, I also played a little basketball on the side, um, some downhill skiing, just uh, was pretty active overall. And then did you continue beyond college? Were you always staying active or did you take a break at any point? Um, I was always active. I mean, we t- I took some time off to have a few kids and gained a little bit of weight and realized how awful I felt. So then uh, I started working out with a personal trainer for a few years and then, um, you know, got back into running and that kind of thing. And then um, eventually found CrossFit. Okay. So tell me about that transition. So you were, you were not active for a little while when you had kids. Um, When, when did it kind of flip over from I'm casually 
working out and I'm working out with a trainer to, oh, hey, I'm going to start competing again? Um, well, the training was just kind of one-on-one and there, I was missing that competitive side. So, you know, I started doing some like road races on the side. Um, and then, um, we moved to Boise, Idaho, you know, about 12 years ago and I was having some trouble with my back. So I saw a, a chiropractor and she said, you know, you should really try CrossFit. That's a great overall workout. Um, it'll really, you know, strengthen up your entire body. And so I started CrossFit and I loved it. I just, I couldn't get enough of it. Um, it was strength, endurance. Um, every day there's a workout and it could be competitive. You could, you know, do it at your own pace or compete against other people in the class. And it was just a great thing. So I started that about 10 years ago. So in, your late, in your late 30s, you started uh-huh. CrossFit. Yeah. yeah. And so it sparked something in you that you had been missing, it sounds like. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, before I'd been racing cross country and track and, you know, and then had kids and, you know, took time off to do that. And um, yeah, so CrossFit, I think, was a missing link for me. I just really enjoyed it. However, there wasn't that much running involved in it. You were always a runner from a very early age. Yes. Yeah. So tell me about how that that sounds like a natural transition into obstacle racing and Spartan racing, which kind of. For those who don't know, it's kind of a best of both worlds. It is, it's running and it's strength. It kind of has everything. It demands, a, it demands you to be kind of an all-around athlete. So tell me how you, how you found your way into that and how that clicked with you. Well, I had some friends that were ultra-endurance runners, and they um, were the typical, like, really thin runners. And they didn't do CrossFit, and I was always trying to get them to do CrossFit, and they were trying to get me to do these ultra long runs. I'm like, I don't want to do that. And they said, you should try obstacle racing. I'm like, what is that? And, and so they said, well, there's Spartan races, you know, there's, there's one coming up in Utah. You should go do it. And it was a Utah beast. And I was like, whoa, that's like 12 miles. I'm like, I, I have never ran that far. I was like, oh my gosh, not the, and at that point in time, I had plantar fasciitis really bad, so I couldn't run, and um, I talked to my husband about it, and he's, he's also a runner and crossfitter, and he's like, yeah, we should go do it, so we took our two kids with us, too, signed up for the Beast, all I had was a CrossFit background, we signed up for an open race, and um, I loved it. I mean, every obstacle was new and exciting. And when you get over a wall, you go, you just felt this great sense of accomplishment and you'd go further. And I mean, I, that was my first race ever. And I hit every obstacle. I didn't miss any. And, um, which I is finished rare, for, which is rare right. for someone who's just starting. I haven't even had that race yet. So Right. Like I hit the spear and never threw a spear before. And um, yeah, it was it was crazy. And I was looking around at all these people doing it and they're all shapes and sizes and, you know, different ages. And I was like, whoa, what is this all about? And it, it was really cool. And so we all did it. I mean, I raced it, you know, but you know, whole family finished it and they're all excited about it. And so that was my first race and how I got hooked on it. And when was that? Um, that was 2013. I'm starting my sixth year of racing. So that was, you did, a, they call it open heat, which is basically a non-competitive heat. Um, right. It sounds like you raced it cause that's just how you are. But, um, when did you start doing Spartan competitively? 
Well, so I, I looked at my time. I took my time and put that against the elite women that ran that day. And I would have placed in the top 15 with my time. Wow. And you're very and, first race. Yeah. And there were so many people I had to go around and, you know, all this stuff. And so I got really excited about that. And then my husband's like, well, we should go up to Portland, you know, Washougal race and, and run the sprint up there and see how you do. And I was like, no, no, I don't think I'm that good. You know, I don't, you know, so I ran the first like open heat in that one and just crushed it again. So then that year was over for racing. Um, but then I started up the following year um, racing. And then that's, that's when I started, everything was elite. Yeah. And at that time, there was no age group category, as I mentioned in your in your intro, age group categories started last year. That's something they introduced right. in 2018. So tell me about uh, what it was like to race elite. So elite elite racers in Spartan Race are basically the racers who are competing for cash for cash prizes, money. Um, yeah. So tell me what what that was like for you. There was there was elite, and then there was masters elite as well. How did you do in your elite racing? So um, when I started elite racing. Uh, there were a lot of really good master women at the time too. Um, and so I would place like fourth or, you know, I'd be like top four, you know, I didn't always make the podium. Most of the time I did, um, you know, but a few races I ended up fourth in, um, but yeah, it's still like top 10, top 15 finishes overall for elite yeah, the whole so- way through. So this was, I mean, clearly it's a natural connection for you. You're, you're instantly, just it works really, really well for your skill sets because uh, you just came out blazing and you've been a top 10 racer and usually a top three or four racer since you've started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what do you think it is about Spartan race and obstacle racing that that has connected with your skill sets? Like what is, or what is it about your skill sets that connect with Spartan, I should say? Um, well, it's I. I don't like just running long distance. I like having the obstacles to break it up. And so I, it just like revives me every time I get to an obstacle and I achieve that, it excites me and makes me feel strong. And I just, you know, I just go, I just, um, I love the CrossFit aspect of it because obstacle racing has, you know, road climbs and, crawling and lifting and carrying. And those are all things we do in CrossFit um, that break up the running and just the challenge of the train and, and everything. It's just, it's perfect for me. Yeah. It sounds like a perfect fit for you. And, and something I'm getting out of what you're saying that I hadn't really thought of it this way, but you are, you're a CrossFitter. So you do a lot of lifting and high power, you know, anaerobic, as they say, movements. Um, and then you kind of look at every, the running sections as almost like mini sprints in between. Like you get revived by the obstacle and then you just have the sprint onto the next thing. Instead of looking at it as a whole race, it's like a bunch of little sprints. And you were a sprinter, uh-huh. you were, you were a, a track athlete growing up. So it's almost like you look at that past connection that you had. It's like you were never a distance racer. You were a shorter distance racer and you can use that to propel you to the next obstacle. Is that is that correct? Yeah. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a really interesting way of looking at it. And a lot of people, it's so funny because a lot of people, when they think about if they've never done an obstacle race and it's like, I don't know, it's a whole lot of running. I don't know if I could do it. And I always try and explain to them that it's like you're actually not running more than 
a mile or two at a time max between obstacles. So you just have to be able to maintain that distance a bunch of times. But it, if you could break it down into those little chunks, it actually makes it you can look at it differently. You know, does that make sense to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So let's take a moment to talk about some of the highs and lows of your competitive career as a whole. And we can talk about Spartan Race. We can talk about CrossFit, which you've competed in that, or even some of the other things you've done throughout your life. Would you be able to take us back to what you would say is your worst or lowest competitive moment? Do you remember or does that does anything strike you in your mind? Uh, well, yes. <laughs> so um, after that beast, I ran in Utah in 2013. Um, I was still really new with Spartan racing and different locations and how races are set up. And so I was pretty naive um, when I registered for the Montana Beast in 2015. I assumed all beast courses were like that one in Utah. (laughs) And um, so I got there and... um, well, first of all, the website said the average finisher was like three and a half plus hours. And I'm like, yeah, right. No, not me. You know, I'm a 220, you know, for a, a beast. Because and, of what, because of your previous experience. Right, right. You know, and then, um, you know, Montana is a lot colder that time of year. And um, I wasn't going to sweat a bunch. So I started the race just in some tights and a long sleeve shirt. No fuel no water thinking, well, I'm going to be done. I didn't have any of that in Utah. I'll, I'll be fine. Well, I, I took off like I always do and realized real quick that this was not the same kind of race. It was what you kind of call a hiking race. Like Mm -hmm. some parks that are so steep, you can't run it. And um, there's a lot of rocks and grass and you're like trailblazing. Like there aren't any trails. There's little flags hanging in the trees as you're trying to go up this mountain. You have to look at the the ground the whole time or you're going to trip kind of thing. And I don't know. Um, it's kind of funny because my husband was racing elite at the time and he, his heat takes off 15 minutes before mine. And I was all gun ho, you know, and his race took off. And then I took off and I caught him at about mile four and just feeling great. He's like, well, you're having a great race. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm just going and going. And I ended up tripping and I smacked my knee on one of the rocks that you couldn't see trailblazing. It swelled all up. I felt like I was on the ground for like five minutes. I finally got up, climbed up the hill, you know, was able to start running again. But by mile eight, I hit a wall. I had never experienced like everybody talks about running a marathon and hitting a wall, you know, like they're just completely exhausted. Well, that was me. And I was like, Oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? You know? And I'm looking at my watch and I'm like, well, I got a long way to go. And, um, my husband eventually caught back up to me and he's like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I'm exhausted. I'm so tired and all this stuff. And, and he didn't have any fuel either. And we're just like kind of going, and then he ends up passing me. I'm like, no, just go. I'm just going to try to make it. And the race kept going and going. And here I'm thinking, okay, it's going to end at 12 miles, right? It's going to end. And, oh, no, that race kept going and going. And it was one steep hill after another. And they had this one one hill called the Death March. <laughs> and it was so steep. Like, you were almost on your hands and knees climbing and climbing and climbing. And I just thought, 
oh my gosh, what is going on? You know, why can't I get through this? Well, I hadn't trained for anything like that. And so I did finally finish, but it was like, it was 16.4 miles. Oh my goodness. That race that year. And I was like, whoa, they were not kidding about the three, three and a half hour, you know, average finish time and stuff. Yeah. But I, but I still ended up placing 10th and elite, but again, I got fourth for masters. There's fast women out there yeah, and stuff. But, um, man, I learned a lot that day that anything over like a six mile obstacle race, I'm, I always have a little fanny pack with me and I have my electrolytes and my goose. I even have like a pair of gloves in there. Um, just more for like a sense of security. Like if I need it, it's there because I don't ever want to feel like that again in a race. Yeah. Yeah. I tell, you know, I, the people that I coach for races, I always tell them it's like as important as your training is, is your preparedness. Like for a lot of, especially these longer races, it's like you, you can train all you want, but if you don't bring the right stuff, if you don't bring the right fuel or in certain cases bring, you know, something to keep you warm, if it's a if it's a cold weather race like that can make the difference between success and failure on a race day. Mm. So oh, yeah. it sounds like that was a big learning moment for you. Oh, it's, yeah, it was huge. And then I'm like, I am never racing here again, ever. <laughs> you know, I was like, never, ever, you know. Did you and hold then- yourself to that? Have you been back? Well, uh, well, unfortunately, the last two years, my kids have had graduation days on the same weekend. So we haven't made it back up. But 2019, this year, we're returning. It's time for vengeance. Yeah, but I have done so many races now that have been so much harder than that. Now, you know, it's like, oh, this should be fine, you know. And of course, now I, I know better how to train, you know and fuel and all that. Yeah. Yeah. It should be a much different experience for you this time around. Yeah. Yeah. So on the other side, uh, tell me about your best or favorite event, your, your, your highest moment in a race or competitive event. Well, um, that actually 2015, that year that I did that beast, (laughs) I actually, um, qualified and earned my coin um to get in the masters i mean the elite heat in the world championships at tahoe Mm -hmm. that year so that was one of my goals and i placed um top 50 in the world um for that whole season so i ended up earning a season pass and everything and that was super exciting for me um that that same year um i also ended up placing third overall in the Boise sprint and then second masters in the Boise sprint. So I double podiumed. Nice. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. And, and, and at your home race, like that's gotta be. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So I took a look at your 2018 Spartan race stats. And what really stood out to me is that you excel all the different race lengths that Spartan offers. So a quick little education. Um, there's three There's three main lengths. There's a sprint, which is typically three to five miles. Super length, which is eight to ten miles. And beast, as you mentioned, is 12 miles or could be more than 12 miles, as uh, you learned at that yeah. Montana race. So you, mm-hmm. you, you really placed well. You placed in top three in age group in all of those lengths. You also did races with varying terrain. So again, as you talked about, there are races that are mostly flat and then there's races that are steep, mountainous, high elevation courses. 
So mm-hmm. in, my, in my experience, at least personally, that's not an easy thing for most people to do, being able to just continually dominate at different race lengths and different terrain. So I wanted to talk a little bit about how you train for this now. Um, what have you found to be the keys to your success in coming in top three at all of these kind of wildly different Spartan races over the past season? Mm-hmm. Well, the past years, besides this last 2018 year, I didn't do a whole lot of running. Um, I just did a lot of CrossFit and I'd go out and just do one run a week. I know it sounds crazy, but my body was, we can get into that later. My body was always inflamed and my joints were painful and, you know, it just wasn't fun for me to go out and run. So, um, uh, I was able to change some things this year, this last year. And, um, so I began training, I did more running. I did a lot more running. I ran like three times a week and, uh, Saturdays were always a long run if I wasn't racing. So I started out at like an hour and I went all the way up to four and a half hours before that, um, world championship race. And I didn't run on any flat. I was up in the foothills or up at Bogus Basin where it was higher elevation and steeper hills. And that's what I ran on and trained on. Um, so I believe that was the key, um, this year, my running got a lot better because in past years, um, I do awesome on the obstacles. I pass people on the obstacles and then the running part, they catch back up and I'm like, what is going on? This isn't fair, you know? Right. So, yeah. So I think it was the running. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's been my experience as well. It's like you learn that you could, you could be awesome at obstacles, but if you can't run fast, it's, it's hard to win, right? Mm-hmm. Like there are some fast runners and it can be a runner's race. So, so that's, I mean, that's something I've been doing as well. I've been really working on my, my running speed and really trying to, to boost that this year. So I totally get that. So it sounds like that has been really helpful for you getting back up, getting running and running mountain terrain, particularly. Mm-hmm. What kind of challenges do you find you encounter as an older athlete training and competing at this high level that you do? Um, well, my biggest challenges have been injuries. Um, I don't really have an off button. I, <laughs> I, get, I, I get that about you. You know, I, I train hard and I race hard. I mean, it's like level eight to 10 the whole time. I mean, my heart rate averages are 178 in a, you know, three hour race. I mean, I can keep it high and hard, but my body is really, that really pays a toll. Um, so I've, um, you know, before I started racing, I started developing hip impingements in CrossFit and became really painful. And I went in and they're like, oh, you have torn labrums and your hips are, you know, impinged. And so I've had two um, hip surgeries to fix those about seven years ago. Um, I tore a labrum in my left shoulder um, doing muscle ups and CrossFit. And so lots of time off for hip and shoulders. Um, I, I even tore my labrum three years ago when I fell off the twister in Seattle. Oh my goodness. Uh, Yeah. But luckily that one didn't need surgery. Um, so I missed a few races, started my season kind of late that year, but you know, still did okay. Um, this is what I mean by I don't have an off switch. We were up at bogus base and training the sand, heavy, heavy sandbag carries. And I ended up, um, causing a bulging disc in my low back um, that was really painful and caused a lot of problems, took a lot of time to rehab that. So um, 
I've kind of learned that certain activities aren't good for my body and that I either don't do them or if I'm, if I am going to do them, I'm going to have to go see my physical therapist or my chiropractor. I see an acupuncturist. I see a massage therapist. Um, I see one of these actually we- at least weekly. Um, yeah. cause I, cause I train so hard and I put my body through a lot and, you know, I get a lot of ASTEM done on my, my legs and quads and hip flexors cause they are always, you know, chronically tight, um, because of what I do. Um, but the, those have been the, the biggest challenges, um, that I faced, um, and diet has always been a challenge for me. I'm a, I'm what you call sugar addict. <laughs> I'm a sugar, a sugar burner. I love sugar. Sugar does not love me. I, that's what I talk about. Chronic inflammation in all my joints. Um, I used to always be in pain when I would train and just feel just awful, but I couldn't, I didn't have the willpower to cut the sugar out. So what I did this last year is I committed to cutting all, all the sugar, uh, no pastas, no breads, no flour. Um, I just ate meat and vegetables and berries and good fats. And, um, I dropped like a ton of weight, got super thin, like those super elite gals, which helped me keep up with them. And, um, my body didn't hurt it. The inflammation went away. My joints didn't hurt. I was able to train better. I recovered better. Um, you know, so that's, that's been a a big thing for me. Um, I do have to do hot yoga, um, once a week too, because I get really tight. I, I never used to have that problem, but you know, as I'm getting older, I guess, <laughs> I don't like yeah. to say I'm getting older, but I guess it's really true. It, it, the body gets just so tight from yeah. working out and stuff. And you really have to pay a lot of attention and a lot of maintenance on your, my body anyway, to keep it going. You're probably still pushing yourself as if you were a much younger athlete, but then you have to kind of make time and make the space for all of this recovery work. And it's so important. It sounds like you have made the time when you're talking about weekly treatments. And I think it's really, really important for older athletes to think about that, especially when you want to compete at a really high level is that's kind of a part of the deal is that you do have to make extra time and extra effort for recovery so that you can maintain that pace that you want to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So and I, and I I find it very impressive also that you talk about how you're you're a sugar addict and yet this year it's like I guess when you're when you're an 8 to 10 level person when you're always going at a high level then when you have to make the call to make a big change that's kind of part of your personality that you can actually go cold turkey on the sugar. Yeah, it it wasn't easy. I mean, the first 2 weeks like you have a massive headache like all the time and you're tired. And I remember in the gym, uh, you know, my coach gave me this workout and how like all these rope climbs and sled pushes and, you know, rowing and, oh, I feel like I was going to throw up the whole time. I had a bucket right there and I looked at him and I go, I, I can't do this. And he's like, are you going to do, are you going to say that when you're out there in a race? Can you feel like this? I'm like, well, no, that's different. He's like, it's, it's not, you need to train. <laughs> he's like, you need to get, you need, you need to finish the workout. He goes, I don't care how long it takes you. Just like when you're in a beast you need to finish. That's right. And so, so I got through it, but man, that was horrible, you know, being on withdrawals and working out and all that. So it, Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. 
But it but it help probably helps you when you have those dark moments in a race to kind of draw back on that. It's like, oh well, did do I feel worse than I did that day? Probably not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So I want to kind of talk on the other sides. We talked about challenges that you face, and there's a few. Have you discovered any benefits that come along with what is typically considered to be being an older athlete? Uh, Yeah, I'm a lot wiser now. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Tell me about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people will just like, they'll get in the starting shoot and they'll just like take off, you know, and and they'll be hey, and I'm like, yeah, you'll come back. You'll come back, you know, because they, they're just, you know, they're new at it. They, they're they not sure what they're doing. And, you know, I'm like, it's a long race. You know, there's always time to catch up later. You don't want to go out too fast. And um, just, uh, you know, knowing your body, too, and knowing what you can put it through. Um, my mind, I've learned, is stronger than my body. And I've broken my body, of course, you know. And, and so I've learned that. No, Kim, you really don't want to do this activity or you're going to be out for the rest of the week. Is it worth losing all that training to get one workout in? You know, no, I'm not going to do that, you know, or with the with the food. Oh, do you really want to eat pizza before you have a long run the next day? For me, no. Yeah. Lots of inflammation. So I just learned what, you know, what not to do now. And I'm, I'm listening to my body. Yeah. So it's, it's like the age has brought a little bit of an off button because which, which doesn't necessarily happen when you're younger that you actually do say no to some things because it's better for you in the long run. Yeah. Cause I've learned that quality of a workout is better than quantity. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. At, at this age, it really is. <laughs> Train smarter, not harder. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Your body needs time to recover. Yes, absolutely. So there's a topic I kind of want to get into just almost for my own curiosity, but I think, I think listeners would be interested too. So you're, you're clearly and obviously someone who is a very competitive athlete, but at this stage, you wouldn't necessarily be called a professional athlete in that you have a job, you work as a vet tech, you compete in a category that doesn't currently offer cash prizes in Spartan race. So (laughs) how do you personally make the time and the financial commitment work to be able to train and race at your peak and travel? Because there's a lot of traveling involved to compete in these races all around the country. How do you make it work for you? Yeah. So I am very fortunate. I, um, I'm a vet tech at a local veterinary practice here in Boise and I work, um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays, and they're about 10 to 11 hour shifts. So, um, I always work out on, on those days, um, at six in the morning and then I'm able to go to work and shower and then work all day. And then I have the rest of the week off to do, um, big time training. Um, and then my husband, he, he works full time to um, help support this addiction (laughs) (laughs) and stuff. So, um, yeah. And the, you know, I'm just, I'm fortunate that we're able to, you know, afford it. I mean, the travel and everything is so expensive. Um, we have great healthcare insurance. So, you know, I pay a $30 copay to go see a physical therapist or chiropractor or whatever like that, you know, so it's not too big out of pocket. Um, but yeah, with supplements and, you know, eating clean, you know, all that kind of food costs more, um, all your racing gear and, and everything. It's, you know, it's, it's tough. Like we, 
wanted to remodel our home, but it's like, oh, well, I guess wait tell Kim and racing, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, what's, really, what's the I bigger mean, priority for the moment? What are we more into right now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but my husband and I do it together. And so it's kind of how we bond and it's like our thing. And our kids are moved out of the house now. And so it's just us. And, um, you know, it's kind of like little mini vacations every, you know, twice a month or whatever when the race season gets going um, that we go and we do this together and, um, and we don't really take like a week or two vacation anywhere else during the year. It's always just like Spartan racing. And yeah, uh, like race vacations yeah. is what I call it. You go on race vacations. Yeah. yeah. My husband mm-hmm. and I do the same thing. So it's like I, I hear a lot of parallels in my own story that he and I go to races together. We travel to races together. We race, we race together, but separate because we're, we're both competing in age group now in the, in the competitive groups. But, um, but it's sort of how we build in almost like little weekends, even it's like little weekends away. Cause you, when you're just doing race weekends, it's not a big, you know, bunch of time that you have to take off from work. Right. Little getaways, as you said, little getaways mm-hmm. that just happen to involve a race. So it's kind of cool when you can do it with your partner, when your partner is really supportive, which it sounds like is the case with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really nice. I like that. So, so yeah, and just kind of reiterating your story a little bit. It's like you have you have a job where your your work hours are what they are, and you kind of make the training work around what your work looks like. So you get some early training on the days you do work, maybe some long, some longer runs on the days you don't work. Uh, you make sure that you make time and build time and schedule time in your week for recovery and whatever you need to do for that. And it sounds like you have a pretty solid routine going. Yeah. I mean, it takes a lot of work. You know, there's just not a lot of time. People are like, oh, we only work three days a week. And I'm like, well, no, I, you know, I work a lot more than that. You know, my workouts are like two hours every day. You know, your meal prep, your meal planning, your training, you know, you have to have all your workouts figured out and written down. And, you know, and when you're going to, go do this or that, or, Oh, you've got a race. So you got to change your schedule for that. And you know, it's a, it's a lot. Sounds like you do a lot of planning ahead. Like you can't really just wing your training. No, no. I, I'm one that will get really stressed out if I wing it or, you know, I wake up at five and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I didn't make my lunch for work today. You know? And I'm like, ah, scrambling. I don't have time. Yeah. And so then you your nutrition isn't on and then you don't work out you know you feel bad when you work out so it is possible you're showing that it is possible to be competitive compete at a high level but have a have a life there's a whole you're not you're not training at eight hours a day like a professional athlete you make it work in your life however that looks yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and a lot of a lot of forethought and planning to make that happen I think that's that's an important piece for I think listeners to get who want to perform at a high level but but everybody's got their own life stuff to deal with and I think another interesting thing that you said is that your kids are grown they've moved out and I I hear that story a lot with the people that I've interviewed is like this is when they have discovered the side of themselves I talk to triathletes and long distance runners that it's like my kids have moved out and now I can get the training in now I can like really get into it because I have this this extra time Mm -hmm. so it often is like these these endurance sports you see a lot of people with grown children take on these endurance sports because of kind of the new time that's available when when the kids have grown and moved on yeah exactly yeah so what advice would you give to someone who is around your age or similar and has 
entertain the idea like, oh, the Spartan race thing sounds cool or I've heard about CrossFit, but I don't know. This is this is out of my league. This is intimidating. What advice would you give to those people? Oh, I'd say come and try it. I mean, CrossFit, Spartan racing, all that is at modified levels. Like you can start so small. I mean, you can go do a Spartan race and just you can hike the whole thing. And you can have a group of people, like if you're in an open heat, and those people are going to help you get through the obstacles. You help each other. I mean, it's just an awesome experience. Or if you're stronger, you can go through and do all the obstacles. I forgot to say, when I first did my first Spartan race, my mindset was, was you have to run the whole thing. You know, and back in CrossFit, you don't walk. And I learned real quick, oh, no, you can't run the whole thing. You have to hide some of it. So, I mean, a lot of people think, well, I can't, I can't run that. It's like, you don't have to. They're like, look at the big hills. I can't get up that. And it's like, you can, you can walk and rest and, you know, you can definitely, you can definitely do it. You know, there's just different levels of doing it. And just like in CrossFit, you can show up to a workout and there's always modifications, you know, instead of doing a box jump, you can do a box step up, you know, instead of, um, picking up a dumbbell that's, um, you know, there's different weights of the dumbbells. You can start with a 10 instead of a 25. And I mean, it's, yeah, it, you shouldn't be afraid to try it. I mean, anybody can walk in, you know, and start somewhere. Yeah. And I think that, you know, people need to set, you know, small goals that are achievable that once they achieve them, will feel more confident, to take on more and wow, you know, look, I did this. So now I can, um, you know, step it up and maybe, maybe try, you know, a 15 pound dumbbell push press next time. Or, you know, it's a lot of it is just confidence and knowing that you're not the only one that is starting at that place, you know? Yeah. And I think it's, uh, you see that when you get there, like you see that when you get to the races that, oh, wow, there's lots of people who might be at my level. Like I'm certainly not alone. And same with CrossFit. It's like, you think, there's no way. And then you get there and you're it's actually more common to see people who are who are new or beginners a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. And something I'll say to both, because I've experienced both as well, is the community is always so welcoming in both CrossFit and in Spartan Race that sometimes you feel like you're going to show up and it's going to be a bunch of like meatheads. You know, that's sort of the stereotype. <laughs> and right. Yeah. That couldn't be further from the truth. It's actually just such a kind, welcoming community on both sides that, you know, it's often really surprising but very reassuring yeah because i mean the bottom line with the spartan racing and and crossfit is we just want people to be fit and healthy whatever that looks like at whatever level you know we just want to get people out there and moving and to live longer and to feel better i mean i can't go wrong with that right yeah like that, that that's good goals for all of us to want to achieve and especially as we're getting older like to be able to be healthy and move well and feel good in our 40s and our 50s and our 60s and beyond and I have talked to all sorts of people in this podcast up to age 92 is the oldest person I talked to and it's like when you move when you move regularly like just everything works better for you. You feel better. You don't have to take medications or you have to take minimal medications and your mobility is good and you don't fall down. And all of the things that you see happening to older populations don't happen as much if you just keep moving. And yeah. so it's, it's a goal. I think you and I can both get behind and I think everybody should get behind that goal. Yes, 
definitely. So let's talk about your 2019 season. It's about to get started. What are your plans for this year? For Spartan racing, um, I want, since they changed the, the age group categories to 45 to 49, mm-hmm. so it's it's not quite, I don't think it'll be quite as competitive for me. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that I can win the U.S. National Championship Series. And then um, I'm doing a lot of traveling. So I'm also I'm hoping to win the Mountain Series this year. And then um, we're going to go to uh, West Virginia for the regional championships. So I hope to win that. <laughs> and uh, the big thing, I've never done like a trifecta weekend. And so we're going to go for that at West Virginia. Um, we're going to do a trifecta weekend there. Um, and then, uh, you know, hopefully at Tahoe, I can win my age group at the world championships and then um, to win the world championship series, my age group. And we have six trifectas scheduled this year. So I'm hoping to stay healthy and be able to meet all those goals. <laughs> oh man, those are amazing goals. And just uh, for people who are listening who don't under, who don't know what a trifecta is, that's when you race all three lengths, the sprint, the super and the beast all in one calendar year. Um, and you can get multiples, as you said. So you're aiming for six, including one in one weekend, which is in West Virginia, which I did last year. So oh, I gosh. can give you <laughs> feedback on that. It is definitely a new experience if you've never done that before. Now, I know you can handle it. But but yeah, I did. I did the trifecta weekend last year and I did. I did well for me in the beast and I felt good. When I got up to do the super, the super and the sprint were all in one day. And I had about a 30 minute break in between the two. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I I started the super. Once I started taking off for the super, I felt like my legs were made out of lead. I was like, what is happening? Mm. My mind is going forward. Why aren't my legs going forward? Uh, So that was a surprising feeling for me. And I actually struggled at some basic obstacles, like a six foot wall of like, why, why is this hard? Um, Now, again, I don't think you're going to have the same problems. I have. Well, <laughs> yeah. Body fatigue is a factor. A thing. And, and it can happen and you don't even really feel it. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you wake up and you're like, I feel fine. And then you get going. It's like, Oh yeah, it's there. It's there. Mm, yeah. um, but, uh, but it's, it's a really cool thing to be able to do, to do the three races in two days. And they give you a sweet looking medal too. So okay, cool. I, I left, I left that weekend with, I believe it was at one, two, three, four, five medals. Cause I got my second trifecta that weekend also. Mm, so nice. I, I went home from West Virginia with five medals. I don't recommend putting them in your carry on bag. Cause they will get searched. Um, oh. fun little piece <laughs> of advice. And then you, and then you look like, Oh, I'm sorry. What's in my bag. Oh, it's just my five medals. Sorry. To <laughs> like you feel kind of like a jerk, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. So that's my fun West Virginia story. So that's uh-huh. that's exciting. Um, it's cool to be able to do one of those weekends. It's definitely a cool bucket list experience to be able to do. So I'm excited about your season, and I I know I'll run into you uh, at least at some of these races. Um, so it'll be exciting. You know, you and I met at a race. Uh, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think it was Sacramento. I think. Yes. Uh, yes, we met at Sacramento. I love. I tell people the story about how we met, um, and I'll share it here because it's kind of fun. But. <laughs> Um, I was in Sacramento uh, running age group and in, in that race, they started the men's and women's age 40 to 49 age group at the same time. So I was in the starting crowd with my husband and I like to go to the front of the corral because it's like, why not? Like I'm here to race. So I go to the front of the corral and I look around and you and I are really like the only women 
in the front of this race corral for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And you introduced yourself to me and I was a dork. I knew who you were and you're like, hi, I'm Kim. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Um, like, like a dork. But, uh, but, um, but I remember you and I were talking afterwards and it's like, you know, how you told me how cool it was that I was up in the front and I said, yeah, I, I wish there were more women who did that. So I always, you know, I think you and I both kind of, share the 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 advice that if you're gonna race competitively like like don't hang in the back don't think that that's that's where you need to be like if you show up to race like show up to race and put yourself out front and have the confidence or at least fake the confidence and put yourself yeah you know fake it till you make it but you know if you're gonna hang in the back you're gonna feel like oh okay everybody go in front of me but if you go in the front it's like okay this is my race so i always push to the front and and that's how we met and the rest is history and here we are today so i love meeting all the women in my age group and i've gotten to meet some amazing women this year and some people I look up to and some people I try and chase down and you're one of them. So um, it's really cool that we're getting to have this conversation today. So um, before we go, we're about to wrap up. Before we go, do you have this kind of a loaded question? Do you have one parting piece of wisdom that you've learned in your competitive journey that you'd like to share with our listeners today? I think just setting small goals in your life and having something to work towards um, will always keep you motivated in your like fitness goals. Um, I think that's the best thing. So if you don't have anything to work towards, you're not going to be motivated to keep going to the gym and eating right and that kind of thing. So that's, I think really important. Yeah. And I agree with you. It's, it's always important to have a strong why, uh, what, what drives you, uh, to show up because working out for working out sake is, generally not enough for people to stay consistent so it's good like you said having these these goals and i mean you have some some pretty major goals but i'm sure there's milestones along the way that you need to hit and with most people it's it's important to have those small achievable goals to work towards so that you could feel the progress you can feel the reward like when you were talking about you know starting push press with a 10 pound weight and then when that becomes easy it's like oh cool i feel this progress I can move on to a bigger weight and to feel, feel those little moments along the way where you can feel yourself getting stronger, where you, you know, the, the Mm -hmm. athletes that I work with in my, in my gym, I have an obstacle racing gym and it's like, they get across monkey bars for the first time. That's a huge moment for them. And it really drives them. It's like, okay, what else can I do? So it's like those little, those little moments are so, so important. So I'm really glad that you shared that as your parting piece of wisdom, because I think it's, it's really meaningful to people. Uh, when they on their on their journeys, whatever the, those journeys look like. Mm-hmm. So finally, uh, if someone wants to learn more about you, how can they do that? Well, I'm I'm pretty much just on Facebook, so they can they can look me up on on Facebook, um, Kim A. Cole. Um, I also um, you can see me at um, Meridian CrossFit. I'm on their website as well. So follow Kim on Facebook. And uh, Meridian CrossFit in Boise, Idaho. What's the website for that? Um, it's it's on Facebook. So it's just okay. Meridian. Yeah, Meridian CrossFit. Meridian yeah. CrossFit. So check out the awesome things that Kim is doing in the CrossFit world on their Facebook page as well. And then show up to a race. Uh, if you go to enough Spartan races, you'll eventually see and meet Kim and see the amazing things that you're doing out there. So, Kim, thank you so much for being on the Season Athlete as a Spartan over 40 age group athlete myself, I am, of course, an admirer of yours. And I know so many other age group athletes are as well. So I'm glad we got to talk today. I'm glad you got to share your story, your wisdom, your advice, 
and your plans for this year. I'm so excited about that. So I look forward to racing alongside you this season or mostly chasing you, but that's cool too. And I can only <laughs> I can only hope to do my best to keep up with you, but you know, you got to always have someone to look up to. Um, if you're going to drive yourself forward. So thank you again, and I will see you out on the course. All right, great. Thank you for having me. All right, seasoned athletes, here are a few top takeaways from Kim Cole. Number one, if you want to perform at a high level but don't live a pro athlete life, planning is crucial. Most of us don't have the benefit of being able to train full-time, and we're not supported by sponsors. But we can still push ourselves to perform at our best and compete at a high level. We just need to make sure to plan our time well, including scheduling workouts. The better you plan, the more successful you're likely to be at your sport and in managing your life. Number two, don't be afraid to try something just because you don't know how to do it or don't think you have the skills or strength to do it. Most people start off that way. Try the new sport or try the new workout and start right where you're at. Just about anything can be scaled and coaches or the community will be there to support or help you. But first, you have to be willing to try. And number three, always have something to work toward, a goal, a race, or event on the calendar. Once you make that commitment to work towards something, you can set small goals along the way to ensure that you get there. Thanks again to Kim Cole. Thank you for listening to the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. The music you heard in this episode is from not a metaphorical rock star, but an actual rock star, Jason Achilles. Learn more about him at jasonachilles.com. Do you know someone who would make a great guest on the show? Or do you have a unique and inspirational story to share? Shoot us an email, seasonedathlete at gmail.com. Check out our entire library of episodes and get to know our distinguished seasoned athlete alumni at seasonedathlete.me. And if you live in the Los Angeles area and are feeling super inspired to train like a seasoned athlete, visit rutsm.com and learn about how to train with me to help bring out the seasoned athlete in you. Now go out there and embrace your extraordinary, my fellow seasoned athletes, because you so can.